Welcome to the Zoo Town Affordable Housing Podcast Affordable is stable Afford means that you're able To make your wages last Through their rent and expenses While even retaining some senses Stability with the ability To do things differently Welcome to the 12th episode of ZAP. This week, we will hear a second Converted Bus interview with Chris Cawley. He has a construction business in Missoula called Earthwalk Environmental and is registered with the state for construction and environmental restoration. Recently, he has been working on turning a 20-year-old school bus into a beautiful, low-impact mobile living unit, and it is almost finished. I had a wonderful time touring the bus and talking to Chris about all the work and materials he has chosen to put into it. If you want to find out more about Chris Cawley, check out earthwalkschool.org or email him at chris at earthwalkschool.org. And now, please enjoy an interview with Chris Cawley as we explore his converted bus. Chris Colley, we are standing here in front of your bus, and before you tell me anything more, because we've been talking about it, I wanted to start recording this interview because where we're standing right now is you have it tucked in this corner, and it's uh, just outside of Missoula. I could see the backside of Snowball on my way here, and there's just a gorgeous view all around. Now the bus is kind of tucked away and you said that you're not currently living here but you've clearly done a ton of work on it. You've bumped up the roof of the bus and it's such a nice bus. Would you like to tell us a little bit about, uh, well first of all yourself and then we'll get to the bus but give us a little background on you. How did you decide that you wanted a bus? Um, so this summer I was uh, renting and just kind of fed up with paying rent and looking for an alternative solution. And uh, I got on Craigslist and was actually looking at pop-up campers. And I thought, oh, I could find a pop-up camper for a thousand bucks and live in it for the summer. And the bus came up on the pop-up camper page for some reason. And I thought, huh, that looks fun. And um, yeah, I've been a carpenter by trade since high school. I went to high school in Hamilton and they had a construction trades class. So the school fronts the money. They build a, um, we built a house and then we auction it off at the end of the year and then take the money and uh, take a school trip and learn about constru construction stuff. So it kind of started there and I built a, a number of homes for myself and work as a contractor. So I guess that was kind of the beginning. And um, Do you I, have your own contracting uh, LLC? Or? You know, I'm, I'm not an LLC. I'm just a small... I, I like to keep it manageable. So, um, I, yeah, I have a construction business here in Missoula that's uh, Earthwalk Environmental. Oh. And I, I kind of... Uh, I work in two trades now. I'm registered with the state with two trades. So I do construction and environmental restoration. Huh. So the name kind of encompasses both. Earthwalk... Earth, Earthwalk Environmental. Earthwalk Environmental. It's just so beautiful standing out here, <laughs> and um, we can kind of, yeah, get a get a view of the whole thing from the outside. It's so. You said it's twenty years old, but it's so shiny looking. It's so new looking. Yeah, they took good care of it. 
And um, you also told me, oh, sorry, that you don't have any experience with working with diesel. You took a couple classes. <clears throat> I took some classes this winter. I got plugged in with a community of uh, bus folks online. There's some forums and stuff. Um, there was a bus gathering in Arizona this winter. I think it was the third one they've had. It's called Schooly Palooza. And there were 200 buses there, 200 plus, I'd say. Um, and could you go in all of them? Or? Yeah, people open up to the public. You can walk through, you can talk to people about what they've done. And they're as simple as college-age kids with a fold-up card table and some sleeping bags on the floor to custom granite showers and custom cabinets and the works. One guy had a bus that uh, the back end opened up like a cargo jet and he drove his Jeep up into the back of it to travel with. It was amazing. Pre pretty much if you have the vision and the money or the skills, sky's the limit is what I saw. It was fun. Wow. And so now you've bumped up the roof. So that must have taken a lot of research on how to do that. So that was a big project, probably the hardest part of this. And I didn't intend on doing it when I first purchased it. But the further I got into it, I wanted to create a space that was livable year round in Montana. So obviously insulation became a big factor. Um, I So I raised the floor up four inches and spray foamed the roof and the walls with three inch, which brings it up to R21 which is the same as a two by six uh, stick frame house with fiberglass insulation. So it's comparable to a house now. But by doing that, I brought the floor up and brought the ceiling down. So I essentially lost the height. I'm 6'3", and I, didn't, I couldn't stand up anymore. And so I, it, became, it became obvious that I was going to have to do something different. And What's the normal height of the ceiling in the school bus? Um, I think it's right at 6'3", unless you get a handicap bus, and the handicap buses, I think, are 6'6". Six, six. This is not a handicap bus, so it was regular size. And how much did you bump it up? Uh, I raised it up 22 inches. Oh. So, and there's a reason for that, too, I can get into later. But, <laughs> um, so I, I went on to YouTube, like, it's like the best school ever, and there was a guy named Wes, his, uh, I think his tag is transcend existence and um, ended up talking to him. He had a bunch of videos. He was kind of the first, as far as I know, one of the first people that had tried this roof raise thing. There's now a number of people on there that have done it and documented it. I had a chance to meet Wes at the bus fair at Palooza, and that was really fun. But just kind of watched what he did, made a few tweaks and um, had a work party when, one weekend and invited I think I invited maybe 30 people. I think maybe six or seven showed up, which was just enough. And uh, we chopped everything, raised it up with a high lift jack, like a bumper jack, braced everything, and then started to re-weld it back together. Wow. So the, the roof raise was a big, a big piece of it. So how long did it end up taking, the whole roof raise? Um, start to finish? You know, it took... I, it was probably a solid three weeks with the prep and everything, but the actual raise itself we did in a day. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was pretty epic. <laughs> I love that. It's like the community raising of the, mm -hmm. of the roof or the structure. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And now you said you want to make this front part where the roof sticks up from the top of the bus, you want to make that slope more towards the front of the bus. How many projects do you have left before you feel like you'll be ready to live in here? Uh, I'm planning on moving in 
in the next couple weeks, the inside is getting pretty close. The transition on the front is more of a aerodynamic and aesthetic thing on the exterior. Um, like I said, so it, so it travels a little better on the road. So I think I'll probably end up moving in before that gets done. My plan is also to paint the outside at some point. Ah. So, Ooh, What I, color would you paint it or how would you paint it? I think I'm looking at a, like a two-tone. It seems like it's such a big area. I feel like if I painted it green, for instance, it would look like a giant pickle. <laughs> so I think I've decided I'm going to try and break it up in two or three different colors. I was thinking something kind of earthy, which kind of sounds funny for a school bus, but I was thinking of doing one color up and over the roof and down the sides, uh, one color in the middle and one at the bottom, and the bottom to kind of contour and make it look like mountains or trees or, I don't know, somehow break up the profile a little bit. I'm oh, still cool. I'm still working on that, but yeah. Long-term kind of plan. In, work in progress, yeah. Maybe, maybe go back and paint in some details, some animals or some tracks or something. I don't want it to get too, too mural-like, but yeah. Maybe it can build itself <laughs> over time. Yeah, I, and that was one of the things I saw with the people on the road. A lot of them are full-time in their buses, raising families. They have kids. They're running small businesses out of these buses, and they're, they're works in progress. They're working on them as they go. And I think for me, <clears throat> one of the funnest things about designing the inside is because like other tiny homes and small spaces, you're, you're, um, it's important to stack functions so that space is used for multiple things. And so I think, I think in my mind, I can, I can research stuff on the internet and, and draw things on paper, but until you really get into the space and start living in it, I think it's hard to understand how it's gonna work. So I think it'll probably be something that continues to evolve. That's kind of the vision. And then where will you plan to keep it long-term once you've finished it? Or you'll just drive it around? Yeah, I'm hoping to be pretty mobile. I'm hoping to shift. Um, well, I have a couple things going. I think I'm trying to get out of residential construction. Um, I kind of have a vision for maybe building some more of these for folks that are interested in that kind of lifestyle. And um, I'm also moving back into doing some teaching. And so I think it's going to serve as a home and also like a mobile education center. So that's kind of the vision. And uh -huh. yeah, I, I don't know exactly where I'm going to end up, but um, I have, I grew up here, so I have friends and family and I think I'll probably move around until I find somewhere that works for everybody. And um, I think I'm hoping to travel seasonally down South uh, in the winter and continue to uh, be a part of the bus community and people that are kind of living on the road full time. Wow. Yeah. Um, before we go into the bus, because you're going to take us inside, right? Yeah, for sure. Well, me, but then everybody <laughs> else who listens to this podcast afterwards, because we all really want to see what you've done inside. But I, I know you told me, but I don't think we've explained where you got the bus from. Sure. So um, the bus came from Belgrade Schools, and it was purchased by a private buyer at an auction over there. And... Uh, I think he had a similar vision and just decided that it was too big and too much money as he got into it. And he just put it up on Craigslist last May. So I, I purchased it from him um, with a loan through uh, then Missoula Federal Credit Union mm -hmm. and kind of went in and pitched this idea that uh, I was interested in the tiny home movement and 
I wanted to convert a bus. And um, my loan officer that I have a business line of credit with had actually been on Craigslist and seen the bus and was actually pretty excited, almost as, almost as excited about it as I was. So it was a pretty easy deal at that point. I feel pretty grateful for that connection. Oh, cool. So you were able to get the loan to work on the bus via the Missoula Federal Credit Union? Yep. Oh. Yeah, I feel really grateful. Good to know that they'll give loans of that sort. Um, yeah. So it also helped that they knew you in advance a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, is there anything else you want to tell us about the outside of the bus before we go in? Right now, it is a big old yellow school bus with the roof popped up yeah. 22 inches. Um, See a little chimney. Yeah, I got a wood stove in there now, which makes it able to heat off grid. Essentially, I'm trying to build something that's self-sufficient in the sense that there doesn't have to be a lot of outputs. Obviously you need diesel and propane if you're gonna burn propane for a cook stove, but um, I wanted to make it as, as mobile as possible. And so the long-term vision is solar panel array mm. on the roof. Uh, the wood stove makes it easy to heat. You can pick up wood, especially in the north, pretty much wherever you go. Um, I guess other things on the outside worth noting, I, when I reskinned it, so essentially I gutted the inside, took all the windows out, and chopped the frame structure. So the roof, the roof is existing and the lower part is existing, and the piece in the middle that's now aluminum colored is all new. And so <clears throat> there have been some other people that had done this with uh, steel. And I decided to do it in aluminum. It's about a third as light, and aluminum doesn't corrode like steel. Mm -hmm. So if I, had, if I had done this in steel a year ago, the sides would be completely rusted by now if I hadn't painted it. So that was something I chose to spend a little bit more money on for long term. And I figured if I didn't have the money to paint it or uh, whatever, at least it's stable. So it's essentially the outside is the original yellow color, and then the section in between is uh, uh, basically the same as like an Airstream, if that makes sense. The same material as an Airstream? Mm -hmm. Same material, oh, okay. yep. Oh, aluminum. <laughs> yeah, just a, it's aluminum sheeting. Um, I, I don't know. The other thing I was trying to do is school buses are rated for passengers, obviously. They're made for taking kids to school. So um, one of the things I realized about this is a lot of people will try and convert, uh, you know, campers and airstreams and such. I think, um, anyway, that's that's kind of a common thing that's happening. The trouble that I ran into with those is you're pretty restricted on weight, and the way that they're constructed is kind of poorly. A lot of like particle board and just materials that don't really hold up. Mm. The cool thing about the school bus is it's made for so many passengers that you can actually build it similar to what you would build a conventional home and have it be built out of quality materials that'll last. Because it's made to carry that much weight. And since the people aren't going to be in it, you can replace that weight with materials, essentially, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. That's... Oh. Well, I'm going to put this on pause, and I'd <laughs> love to see. And, uh, wow, this is incredible. <laughs> yeah, so obviously it's, it's a work in progress. I was trying to make it feel um, kind of rustic, like a cabin, kind of Montana. This wood came out of the Bitterroot. It's um, commonly known as uh, blue pine, 
and that is that color only happens in pine trees that are killed by beetles that are dead standing. So they come out of salvage log. That's why it has all of these yeah, holes. All and the stuff. holes. It looks so cool. It's fun, yeah. And I, the color is this kind of gray and red mixed with then this like beige wood color. Wow, it's beautiful. It's pretty pretty dynamic, yeah. So I, I tried to use as many recycled and reclaimed materials as I could and the things that I couldn't get. Um, I tried to at least buy a local, and so that's this blue pine fits into that category. It even matches the old bus seat right here. Yeah, it does. I kept one. I'm not sure if I'm going to use it. It's more of a uh, temporary situation, but... It still uh, has the seat stretch marks yeah, on it. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> you know, it's amazing how much bubble gum and candy wrappers I found when I started tearing the seats out. It brought back a, oh, lot, of, a lot of memories for me. I bet. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I rode a yellow school bus my whole childhood, yeah. too. So yeah. super nostalgic in a sense. Um, and so cool to see it repurposed in this way. Now, wait, you said you were going to be ready to move in in a couple of weeks? Yeah. You still have a, a bit to do. Yeah, there's still a bit to do. I mean, um, so I sold my, I sold my home to my uh, previous partner in January. And so I've kind of been floating for a couple months. And it's, it's not ideal, but I, I'm, I'm pretty... It's pretty comfortable for me. You know, it's got the wood stove and I'm gonna get the kitchen in this week and the shower's in. So I, I think it'll be, it'll be okay. It'll be better than camping. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, no, it, it has a very solid homey feel on the inside. And um, I can see that your carpentry background has really come in handy in getting this bus to look the way it does. Oh my gosh, it's incredible. And you still have this big cushy looking driver's seat here in the front and the original door opener on the door of the bus. And I'll, I'll get a couple more pictures here, but then you've put some wood shelving of your own above the bus driver's seat. And then you have this really nice little inlaid shelf right up here where the roof pops up from the front. And then you have an old school-looking locker that's some really cool storage right in back of the driver's seat. And then right in back of that, out of brick, uh, you built this whole thing to put the little wood stove on. And it all looks really nice with some corrugated metal in the back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Definitely get a picture of this, too. And it's so warm. It's really toasty in here right now. It's nice. It works really well. Um, these, this particular stove comes out of Idaho. Um, they're called tiny wood stoves. This is a dwarf stove, and um, I did dwarf quite, stove. Dwarf stove. So I did quite a bit of research on these. Um, you know, most of the small stoves that they make are set up for like wall tents and made out of pretty thin metal and light. This one's made out of five sixteenths gauge steel, and is complete inside with the fire brick, which helps hold some of the heat. So it's essentially built the same as a wood stove for a house. It's just mini size for a small space. So it works great. Does it heat the whole bus efficiently? Yeah, it's almost too much, especially the, the bed in the back is up high, which is where the heat is. So it tends to, um, it tends to get hot and I usually have to let it die out. Yeah, and this, the other things he pointed out, this locker came from Home Resource, in fact, did have the price on it just a week ago. Anyway, um, this came from Home Resource. The bricks are all from Home Resource. The corrugated metal was left over from a friend's project. 
Um, a lot of it's recycled or uh, repurposed. It's been it's been fun. And now here, right to the left of the stove, you'll have your kitchen counter and a sink. Um, kitchen counter on the sides, so the kitchen's actually split on two sides. So um, there's a pantry on the one side. There'll be a counter here. The sink's actually on this side with a water tank down below. Um, and then this side, um, like I said earlier, as far as stacking functions go, I was trying to create a space that could be used for multiple things. So instead of having a sink built in on this side or a stove, I'm just going to have a countertop that goes all the way across. And then I'm going to use a two burner camp stove that goes on top. That way, if I'm not cooking, it can become an office space or an art space or processing plants or whatever, whatever's happening that particular day. Um, so, nice. little, so you're little, not going to have like a full-sized oven, stove combo, anything like that? No, and a lot of people do. A lot of people have refrigerators and um, appliances, and that was certainly a possibility. I think... Wait, you're not going to have a refrigerator? <laughs> a refrigerator. So, and this is something, like I said, at the bus gathering, there were a lot of people that had these built with all the appliances and a full solar array. And... I had originally designed it with a small a small stove and a small refrigerator and, and actually even a washer-dryer combo, one machine that would do both. And as I got into this further, I realized the whole point was to simplify my life. And so I've gone back to just using a two-burner Coleman stove and a Yeti cooler under the counter that'll roll out. You know, it holds ice for about five or six days usually. I, I think that's pretty pretty manageable for me right now. So every five or six days you just go and get ice and keep it keep everything in the Yeti cooler? Yeah, or or you know in the summer eat food that doesn't require fr refrigeration, f fresh food. What? Fresh food? <laughs> How radical. <laughs> it's a little different. <laughs> and so now you said uh, the sink is gonna have a tank of water underneath it. Yeah, and I actually I had the entire bus rough plumbed with drain lines and water supply lines like you would a house. So essentially it would, it would have been set up like an RV where you can hook up to shore water, like city water or, or somebody's hose, or you can fill a tank and go. And <clears throat> I've since changed that a little bit. Um, I think I'm still going to put that system in, but I've replaced it with a system that's less dependent on electricity and mechanic. Mm -hmm. And so I found... Um, online they make a foot pump. They make them for boats, boat cabins, like a sailboat. And so essentially I'll have a tank underneath here and a foot pump. And so it pumps on the downstroke and the upstroke so you can get a regular flow like you would in a house, only it doesn't require any electricity. So I'm pretty excited about that. I don't have it in yet, but that'll happen next week sometime. And and what is that kind of pump called or what's that um, called? I think they, I think it's just called a foot pen, a foot pump or a pedal pump. Oh, what a cool idea. Yeah, so one tube goes into the tank, you pump on it, and the tube coming out goes up to the faucet, just like you would in a normal house. So, oh, well, cool. A little, a little different. Yeah, I, th I mean, I think the goal is to simplify, have things be, be less dependent on technology, which probably sounds a little funny living in a bus and a machine, but... I think the idea is to be able to be mobile, but also have life simplified so that it, I can focus on other other things. Wow. 
That sounds wonderful. <laughs> um, and now you have a little hatch up here. So I have two hatches, one in the front and back. These are actually the emergency exits that are part of the school bus. And I had gone back and forth on these. I may take this one out and put a skylight in, but I haven't gotten that far. That one I'm going to leave because I want to have access to the solar panels on the roof. So if they need cleaned or service, I can get to them without having a ladder. It also provides some security in that it's pretty difficult to get up on top of the bus from the outside. I, I have also, so the way I have it set up now, after it gets painted, solar panels will get mounted from this emergency hatch to the second one in the back. That'll all get filled up with panels. And I'll be able to access it from the inside here with an extendable ladder. And then from here to the back of the bus will be a deck you can get up on. So in the summer, ah. deck sleeping, you can sit up there and watch the sunset or whatever, you know. Use it as a functional living space also. So you'll have a ladder that you can keep somewhere that and takes you up onto your nice deck, little deck patio up there. Yeah, that's the vision. And then now we've walked, we're standing about in the middle of the bus, and is this going to be storage space here? or? So <clears throat> um, this side is set up for a bunk bed. I have a three-year-old, and so... Um, I ended up making it full size for an adult. It's uh, six foot four, which is obviously bigger than a three-year-old needs, but it'll give him some growth. And it could also double as a, a space if, if he's not with me for some reason and somebody needs a place to crash. So anyway, this, this section in the middle will have a little ladder that's hooks on a board here with a metal hook that goes up that can be removed when it's not being used as a bed. It can double as storage. Up above it is some storage that'll have doors on it. Right now there's some uh, finished lumber that hasn't found a home yet that uh, will eventually get used. This compartment down in this corner is the battery bank for the solar and the electrical panel and everything associated with it. Uh, the area in the middle is just general storage, probably toys for him. Uh, clothing, that kind of thing, and then the same thing with the compartment next to it. And that's a recycled cabinet that was left over from a job. And there's a pipe or something down in the... Yeah, that was a, that's a clean out, so if there's ever a problem. Um, so the drain lines from the sink and the shower will drain into uh, a holding tank underneath, just like an RV. So if I'm parked on public land or on somebody's property that doesn't have a sewer hookup, I can take the wastewater with me and go to a proper facility and dump it. So that, that clean out makes it so if there's a clog either above the tank or above, you know, further up the line, it's a way to get a snake in and clean it without having to drop the tank, which will be in the back. Oh. So it's kind of a precaution. So your gray water you'll collect and then just get rid of it somewhere. Where do you get rid of that? That's a good question. There's private RV places that usually allow dumping. They're about, it's like $5. It's no big deal. And then, um, you know, traveling national parks and state parks usually have a dump site. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure about that yet. I, I was reading about a, a water, like an in-house water system to recycle the gray water, but I don't know how oh, those would really cool. work. I don't know anything about that. That'd I just really sent you the, it was in the, this magazine that I um, 
<laughs> magazine that I like, but um, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. If it it's. Uh, it would be so nice if we were more efficient with our water usage, and so to see things actually emerging that deal with that mm-hmm. deal with that issue are really cool. For sure. Um, I'm all for composting toilets myself. Now I see a bathroom space. Are you going to put a composting toilet yeah, in here? Yeah. So this this becomes the inside of the bathroom this way. Besides the closet, obviously I got a couple shelves up, but um, I'm going to build a composting toilet into this side. And then there'll be a little space in between, so the shower on one side. I'm not going to have a sink in the bathroom. I think it's unnecessary if you're living in a small space. One sink's adequate. If I need to wash my hands after the bathroom, I can walk an extra 10 feet. Just <laughs> make sure that you don't touch the walls on your way. <laughs> but I see that your shower is right next to where your water tank will be, so you'll have the same water source for each? Yep, yep. And... Um, yeah, I, tr- I tried in the design to keep everything efficient rather than having water lines running all over. I've got the <clears throat> exterior of the bus and the floor fully insulated, so all the water lines run inside. So in the winter, I won't have problems with freezing, um, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, I went ahead and put a full-size shower in. Um, it, it's definitely on the smaller side. It's one of the smaller ones they make, but it's... it's um, Bigger than a typical RV shower, which, in my opinion, as a full-size adult, are, they're just not very functional for big people. Yeah, so, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, so I'll have, yeah, shower on one side, composting toilet on the other. And that's the other nice thing about the gray system. You asked earlier, well, where we dump the wastewater. And I think not having a black tank and sewage op- opens up a lot of uh, possibilities. I still have to do some research on what the laws are as far as dumping gray water, but... I think if you're dumping water that doesn't have human waste in it, if it's just uh, biodegradable dish soap and laundry soap, Mm -hmm. I I think there's probably um, some different uh, regulations for that. I don't personally know much about it, but you'll become an expert kind of soon. (laughs) It's it's been a learning process for sure. (laughs) Um, And now I don't see a foot pump in this shower, so how does that work? Um, so I have two different designs that I'm toying with, and I think I may actually build both of them. One is a tank that sits up on the roof. It's built out of, uh, six or eight inch PVC pipe, um, painted black. So it heats itself in the sun. Mm. It has a pressure gauge on one end with, a um, essentially a valve stem off of a bicycle. So you would, uh, essentially have a tube that runs inside, you would pressurize it with a bike hand pump that you carry with you on a bike. It takes about 20 pumps. Um, The water heats up on the roof. You hop in, you take a shower at the end of the day when the water's hot. That's kind of the passive system. Um, The secondary system would be, I'm going to have 1,100 watts of solar on the roof, which is more than I need. And so I'm going to set the system up to when the battery bank is fully charged. It takes the extra power, and it's gonna. Um, there's gonna be an electric water heater under the sink behind. So, <clears throat> if the sun is shining, there's hot water, but there's also a, um, a, a way to get hot water that is just excess energy. If that makes sense. Will you have enough solar power in the winter time or on a cloudy day? If I'm down south, <laughs> I'm not sure how all that's gonna work yet. <laughs> 
I've definitely uh, lived uh, in a place for a while where we had a solar shower and it did not work in the wintertime. But in the summertime, it was glorious, just glorious. Hmm. Nice. Uh, we had hot water uh, past midnight, you know, it would stay hot nice. for quite a while. It was so wonderful. So those systems are a little different, I think. That's a system where the water actually gets heated on the roof through a panel. And so this system is essentially um, like a five or an eight gallon uh, electric water heater like somebody would people install them in their houses under the kitchen sink as like a secondary uh, water heater usually so you're not actually uh, you're heat you're heating the water with the sun but it's kind of indirectly right okay so it might be a little different than what you're describing but I'm not sure yet I wonder if there's some power loss in that I think there is but I think it's pretty um, I don't think it's a lot I think it's I think it's still up in the 90s. I still oh. need to yeah, I still need to do a little research, but I think it's pretty it's a way to the fact that it's extra power if your battery bank's already charged and you have power coming in um, the fact that it's getting used in any sense I think is probably a good thing. Yes. Now, so you have solar for that for electricity and then you also have uh, this heater over here, this uh, wood-powered heater. Is it possible do people ever uh, use the diesel as a sort of generator? Yeah, and that's going to be the... So there's three sources of heat on the bus. There's the wood stove, which works great if somebody's here to stoke it. There's uh, There were five hydronic heaters, they call them, which there's one right there under the... that's going to get built in under the counter. There's two more in the front. There were five total. There was one on this side and one in the back. I took two out of the five out and left three. But there are... Um, their coolant lines are hooked up to the motor, the antifreeze in the motor. And so while the motor is running and you're on the road, you can heat the bus uh, from the heat from the motor. So there's the wood stove, there's the hydronic heaters, and then the third one, which is kind of the backup, is going to be a diesel one. And it'll fit under the couch area. And uh, the, the fuel line will run directly into the same fuel tank that the motor runs on. So if for, for some reason you don't have any wood... <laughs> Or you don't you don't come home for a night. You just it's it's set on a thermostat just like a house. So uh, once the temperature in the bus drops below fifty five or sixty, whatever you have it set at, um, it would kick on. They're pretty efficient, from what I hear. I talked to a couple people at uh, the bus fair that had them, and they came highly recommended. So I think I'll try them out. It yeah. sounds like you you've got everything figured out. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a, a definitely a work in progress. I love the little window in the bathroom and oh, yeah. you have a what's this? So this is a job box that I use for construction. It's just made to lock tools. Um, I tried to like I said I try I've been trying to reuse as many materials and things uh, um, as I can. And so I decided to repaint this white so it looks a little more aesthetic instead of rusty like it used to look like. <laughs> so this this is going to live here. It'll get bolted to the floor. It gives me the ability to lock it, um, which provides some extra security. Um, I can put tools in it. I can put the generator in it. I can put, you know, whatever. It also allows um, access to the upper, the main bed, which is a bunk bed up above the back um, exit which I left. People refer to this as the garage generally and so a lot of people will, um, I saw a lot of designs that people 
uh, walled this off and had a separate space to where you would go outside the bus, you'd have access to tools or infrastructure that was underneath. I chose instead to still raise the bed up high, um, still do the storage like the other garages, but I left access um, in and out. And that, that allows for a few different things. One, one of the visions was I can slide a canoe straight through. Um, so the canoe can get slid into the bus, uh, sit in the middle while I travel and go back out the back. That was one of the things I like to, I like to boat. So, um, it also provides light. Um, I've got the two windows on the side here. Um, but I think in a small space like this, I wanted to kind of conserve as much of the natural lighting as I could, I guess. So. Yeah, and maybe we could take a moment to talk about the windows because sure. it's been a while since I've been uh, in school and on a school bus regularly, but this looks different than a yeah. school bus window. So I took all of the original bus windows out and sold them to a woman up in Polson that was going to use them for a greenhouse. So I, I was pretty happy with that. Single-pane um, windows, aren't they? Most of them were single-pane. Um, there were a few that were not, but... Um, when I did the roof raise, I took all those out anyway. I saw some people that had put them back in because they already owned them, but they're single pane. So this bus has a mixture of, these are all RV windows. Um, all of them are used um, and they're a mix. Some of them are thermal pane double and some of them are single. And <clears throat> I had a hard time finding all thermal panes. And so I just kind of collected what I could. They're standard size. So somewhere down the road, like these two, for instance, these two are set up as a slider. They'll open just like a normal house window. Oh, yeah. And then they're also a fire escape window, so they can they can get topped open. Well, they haven't been open for a while, but those do open. <laughs> it, the whole thing swings out, and eventually the single panes will get replaced with the thermal pane. Like the big one in front of the wood stove is a double pane. Yeah. And eventually I'll go to that. I just couldn't find them at the time and I wanted to keep moving forward. So they're pretty standard. I'll be able to pop these out and replace them. Is this size of window, I think the like standard, you know, stationary home size fire escape window is maybe a little bit bigger than this, but... Oh yeah, like an egress window. Yeah. I think the codes for mobile um, RVs and such are different. And I, I don't know the reason for that. I think it has something to do with, um, I know egress windows for a house are sized so that a firefighter can easily get through it. Mm -hmm. And I think that the um, safety people, the safety regulations for mobile homes and RVs is different, different guidelines. Okay. So that's my guess, but I don't know for certain. <laughs> and, and really there's a lot of, I mean, you've got the front door, you've got a side door, you've got the back door, you've got three doors. You've got two fire escapes up high, and then you've got two emergency windows. So that's a total of seven different ways to get out of the bus. So I, f I feel like it's pretty covered. Yeah, seven is a good number. <laughs> it is a good number. Seven different ways. To, I could write a song about that. Seven ways to get out of the bus. <laughs> Anybody who comes in here has to learn the safety precautions of seven. Right. <laughs> and so 
you have your bed um, lofted, and underneath that space here in the back of the bus, you have a bunch of uh, some shelving, a couple shelves on the left side, a storage for your work area. This is your garage. Let's let's just call it the garage, even though you yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have a kind of a big bin over there. Oh, what's in there? That's the water tank. So that'll go. That's the one that goes below the sink. That's thirty gallons. So that'll get that'll go under the bus. Um, what I described earlier with the foot pump. So right now this area is just being used. There's some flooring back there, a bunch of tools and scrap wood. It's kind of just being used for uh, space for materials that I haven't got to install yet. But eventually the vision with this is um, I can put a bike mount in the middle. Two bikes can come in and get mounted. One side can be for camping gear, backpacks, climbing gear, whatever tools it could be food store you know extra food storage it's pretty i think pretty versatile canoe <laughs> canoe yep canoe and then here on the floor you have flooring and i see some of it here on the side underneath where you've platformed the bed as a wall uh, what is what is that that you're going to be using for flooring so this is a recycled cork flooring that i picked up on craigslist and my intention originally was to use it on the floor um, but as I got into the bus build and started looking at how this uh, cork flooring is put together, there's a layer of cork on the top and a layer of cork on the bottom, but this middle section is kind of this engineered wood that's kind of like glue and sawdust. And I had a concern about uh, moisture getting in there and it buckling or causing problems down the road. So rather than um, scrap it or resell it, I decided to use it as a wall covering because I like the texture. I mean, it essentially... It kind of looks like uh, somebody shredded up a bunch of wine corks and then glued them together in a panel. I just thought it would be fun. It's nice because it's lightweight. It's kind of like acoustic. I think it absorbs some of the sound. There's some metal accents in this room, which kind of tend to be more echoey. So I think in my mind, it kind of helps balance things out. I kind of like the look. So I'm, I used a bunch in here. That side's kind of the office space. There's going to be a de like a standing desk on that side. And I'm planning on using the rest of that um, up front on the end panels in the kitchen. Ah. So it'll kind of, it kind of will tie everything together. So know. what will you do for flooring? Right now you have painted plywood or yeah, something? Yeah, right now I just painted the plywood just so when I'm stomping in and out, there's not a bunch of uh, water from my boots getting soaked into the wood. But I have, <clears throat> I have a bunch of um, solid oak. It's not quite enough to do the same thing, so I'm either going to find some more of that and mix two colors, or I might break it in the hallway and do the oak in the front and something different in the back. Oh, cool! Whatever, whatever shows up. Yeah, wow! You have a lot. You have your work cut out for you in the next <laughs> couple of weeks, and uh, it looks like you can fit a full size bed up here. It's size for a full size, and I could have gone a little bigger, but I. Like I said earlier, I think when you have a space that's small like this, I think um, I think the difference between a queen and a full is maybe eight inches wide. I'm not sure if that's right, but I think that's pretty close. Anyway, I decided that the eight inches was probably more valuable somewhere else. <laughs> and I, I just want to take a moment to talk about how the, the roof of the bus is still arched. And so you have these planks, 10 inch? planks? These are 12. 12 inch planks going across the top and they keep the arch in the roof of the bus, which is really cool looking. 
Yeah, and I had seen some people that kind of got rid of that. They either flattened the ceiling out or they had it in uh, like two angles on the side and one up above. I, I kind of liked the look of the arch. It's definitely taken some extra work, but I think aesthetically it's kind of fun. And it kind of, I didn't want it to feel too much like a house because it's not a house, it's a bus. And I, I think it's fun like a bus. So um, after I got it all stripped down, <clears throat> there were the metal uh, supports that went across. Those I left. I ended up taking 2x12s and cutting rafters. I made a template and cut the rafters out of a 2x12 in the shape of an arch. Mm. So the rafters themselves are only an inch and a half thick, but I cut them out of 2x12s so they curve the shape of the roof. So you cut the curve into the... Oh. Mm -hmm. And then I installed those up against... And you can kind of... this. You can't see it here. It's kind of like this. This was the original frame. This wood just got blocked out for the fire exit, but it's essentially the same thing that goes from here up, and I think it, I think it ends in here somewhere, and then the middle just kind of got filled in, because the middle's, if you can see, it's closer to flat. The curve is more, it's kind of a graduated curve, so it's more exaggerated on the sides, and then it levels out in the middle, but... Um, so yeah, I framed, framed everything down. That, that allowed me to, one, keep the original structure of the bus, um, which was important because um, unlike a lot of RVs that are built um, for weight, they're kind of built uh, cheaply. If you've ever seen an RV in a wrecking yard, one that gets cracked, you know, uh, in a wreck, there's not much to them. They're usually built out of two by twos wood and they, they, there's not much to them. Buses, on the other hand, are made to haul children, and so they're actually made for a full rollover. And mm. so part of part of the roof raise was keeping the structure intact for safety reasons. And so when I re-welded everything on the sides, I made sure and put in extra supports and tied everything back together so that the original steel structure is still there. So I had an inch and a half of steel and then an inch and a half of wood. And that the wood served two purposes that allowed me to fasten the blue pine ceiling to wood rather than steel. I could have gone straight to steel, but I would have had to use screws as fasteners. Instead, I just used the finished nailer, so the holes are kind of small and hidden, which I like. This also gave me uh, the three inches to spray foam. Hmm. So it got spray foamed and then it got trimmed back to the three inches. That makes sense. Wow, yeah, it sounds like a, a lot of work to get this roof looking the way it does. Um, and again, you said that was blue pine was the kind of wood that you covered the inside with, these long planks that keep that curve. And um, you were talking about how the bus, a school bus is made to be able to roll. So you said you did all of this welding and is it still able to withstand that impact? I hope so. <laughs> I don't know. I hope I never find out, but that that's that's what I shot for. Yeah. When I when I chopped the original structure where the old windows were, I had a local company custom bend uh hat channel sandwiched over the old one and it was made out of the same gauge steel, galvanized. I used <clears throat> stainless steel fasteners and this high-tech um panel bond adhesive, which is what the car companies use to attach car parts, essentially. Hmm. So it got kind of put together with that and then uh, went back and uh, welded everything. So um, I'm hoping it's going to be as strong as it was. 
And did you know how to weld before you started working on this bus? No, I didn't know how to weld. I had a friend who was a welder. He ended up doing a lot of the work. And then um, I watched him and he kind of started giving me lessons and I started taking over. It was difficult to weld. Um, I think this is 14 gauge steel, which I don't know if you can see the edge, but it's pretty, it's pretty thin. And so there was a, there's a very fine line. I think a seasoned welder could navigate it pretty easily, but for somebody like me that's a novice, there was a really fine line between getting a weld and actually blowing a hole right through it. So I ended up uh, kind of experimenting on pieces that were not attached to the bus at first and kind of figured it out. I'm definitely not an expert and it's not even something I would probably do for somebody else at this point, but I think, um, I think it's, uh, the work that I did is solid and, um, it was good experience. Like I'll, I'll continue to do it and maybe someday be able to offer it to somebody else. Well, if you would uh, at some point want to educate people or share how you did this, uh, then you'll be able to keep practicing. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of the bigger vision with this is I think I mentioned before, um, I have an interest in uh, getting out of residential uh, construction and I've considered uh, starting a business. There's a few around the country. Uh, one guy's in Denver that just does bus conversions for people. And so I've kind of been toying with the idea. Um, I've been talking to a couple of people that are interested my other vision, which I think I feel a little more excited about, um, is uh, more of a community uh, conversion center. And I've been talking with uh, some investor friends about uh, finding a commercial property around Missoula where um, people could bring either a tiny home on a trailer, a van, a bus, whatever they have, rent a space to store it have a tool library similar to what uh, MUD has. And then um, if there's things that people can't do for themselves, you could have a cabinet builder there to help. You could have uh, somebody like me that's kind of good at everything. Anyway, I'm hoping um, I'm hoping that uh, those pieces might continue to fall in place and, and maybe someday be able to have a space where people can, people uh, with less experience than I, have can come and create a, a space for themselves. Uh, in the course of making this podcast and all the things that went in before came before I finally decided to make this podcast, I definitely came across people who I spoke about something similar with, uh, and we can talk about that <laughs> after this That's interview. Cool. That sounds great. Because uh, yeah, um, but we'll we'll come back to the bus for now. Sure. And um, let's see, you've got the corrugated metal on the sides up here on either end. And this looks like a different kind of corrugated metal than what you have in the front. This came from a different source, I'm going to assume. Yeah, and I didn't... Some of the stuff I planned ahead, like the metal behind the wood stove is uh, thicker, heavy gauge. There was a pile of it laying around that I knew I could get to. And I had considered using it for the back, but it was so rusty... I didn't want to use chemicals and I didn't want to take the time to uh, buff it all off. This stuff I found at one of the box stores and it was damaged. I got them for, I think they were $7 a panel. So I was able to do the two side walls next to the bed and the two lower walls kind of in the secondary bed office space. And I think the total cost was, uh, you know, $21 or something. And I I kind of like... The blue pine 
I think looks really great. I like the smell. I left it untreated. Um, you know, and there's, there's the cork and there's a lot of wood accents. I was trying to incorporate something else into the design that would kind of offset it. Um, and I, I like the way the metal came out. It looks, I, I like the way it looks. Do you have any plan to seal the wood or coat it with anything? Yeah, <clears throat> I think long-term I might go back and put a water-based polyurethane on and I had considered doing that before I put it up, but um, I think one of the reasons, one of the things that I enjoyed about creating a space is I think a lot of times um, if we're renting or buying or building a home, a lot of the materials that are used in the construction industry are pretty toxic. Plywood has formaldehyde, there's adhesives, there's all treated lumber that have heavy metals. There's a number of of different things. And, and we create these spaces, and especially here in Missoula where the building codes are so strict, we create these spaces that are very, very airtight and uh, fill them up with toxic materials and then uh, lay down in them for eight hours a night. And I, I think part of creating the bus for me was trying to, to use as many materials that were not toxic as possible. And so leaving the boards untreated, especially since they're on the ceiling, nobody's going to be walking on them. They're probably not going to get touched a whole lot. I thought I'd go ahead and throw them up and see what happens. They'll probably darken a little over age, which I'm fine with. Um, but the fact that they're up above the windows, they're not going to get a lot of direct sunlight. I think I'm hoping to leave them. But if they um, start to pick up a lot of dust or dirt or I don't know, I may go back and change it. But I think at this point, I, I like... I like the way it looks, and I like the smell. I think mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I think if I were to put a clear coat on it, even like a natural one, like a shellac, I think it would seal the pine scent in. Mm. I, I kind of like... There's wood oils. There's different kind of uh, oils, like tongue oil, I think. There is, and I've looked into using some of that. The, the only problem I found with those is uh, a certain amount penetrates into the wood, but oftentimes the surface, it kind of leaves an oily surface, a residue on the surface. And I was worried about it. It's such a small space. For instance, if I were to do that next to the bed and you have your pillow or your comforter or your blanket up against the wood, if it's going to be drawing the tongue oil out of the wood that's on the surface mm. and into the uh, bedding... Oh. Anyway. <laughs> so I definitely considered it. And it might be something I go back to. I do think it soaks into the wood pretty well, but again, I'm not an expert uh, either. Um, then over here, I just wanted to point out the track that you have. There's no door on the bathroom space, but it looks like you're going to do a pocket door. That'll be a pocket door, and I picked up a nice uh, solid fur door at Home Resource. Uh, they're great. And um, rather than have a door, um, like a traditional door on a hinge that swings in a space this the small, you would need uh, a space for the door to open. And then in order to leave the bathroom open, for instance, uh, the door would have to be open. And so rather than have a hinge door, I went with the pocket door. So it slides in next to the shower and disappears. And that allows the light, the bathroom, uh, the light from the bathroom window to shine through and kind of uh, provide some lighting to the hallway while nobody's using the bathroom. I think that's kind of a nice feature, too. Oh, and then one last question about the bathroom. I see you have it raised up maybe six or six inches or something like that, yeah. and I'm wondering why you have it lifted up. 
So depending on the bus you buy, this bus is a front motor bus. So the two front wheels are <clears throat> in the motor uh, section of the bus. The back wheels are in the uh, main part of the bus. So there's actually two wheel wells here that oh. stick up. And so I kind of had to build and design around that. And um, in a bus, like a rear engine bus, you would actually have four of these. You'd have two in the back and two in the front. So this one was kind of unique in that it only had the two. But yeah, I, I opted to raise uh, part of the bathroom floor up. So you step up six inches into the bathroom and um, the sour the shower is sunken, so you kind of step back down into the mm. shower. And then this side, like I said earlier, is just storage. But yeah, there's wheel wells under there, and I spray foam those as well, and that helps. that'll help with sound on the road and insulation also. And then one more question on the bathroom. What will you do with the waste from your composting toilet? Um, so I haven't totally decided on which composting toilet. There's a couple commercial ones that they make. One's called Nature's Head that is really popular right now. Um, <clears throat> I saw a number of homemade ones at the bus fair and I, I think for the money involved, I think, I, I think I'm probably gonna try and make one. Um, and from what I've read online, composting toilet is new to me. I've stayed in places that are composting toilets, but I've never had a long-term uh, living situation that has a composting toilet. But from what I know of it, people will compost um, uh, the waste outside in a, a garden space that's not for food. Um, some people bag it up and throw it away. I think um, my understanding is it gets mixed with enough either sawdust or peat moss or coconut pith, uh, whatever substrate you're using. By the time it actually leaves the space and hits the ground, wherever it's going to be, it's pretty much broken down to where there's not a lot of odor and um, there's not a danger to people's health. <laughs> so we'll see how that all works out too. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'll come talk to you in another couple months. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think I think it depends on where you where you are and what you know if you're on the go and uh, or, or kind of have it parked for for a while, but. And so, and then your lighting system, will that run? I see you have an outlet here, or maybe that's going to be a light. Um, you wired it all yourself? Yeah, so everything's rough wired, um, and they they all end up in this space here, which is where the battery bank will go and the electrical panel. So there's essentially two electrical systems. There's a AC system that's the same as a house. So that outlet that you pointed to is a receptacle. So it'll be a two-pronged outlet just like a house, there's one here, there's four more on this side. Those will serve as um, like extension cords out the back for whatever is happening outside. Um, so there's that system and I was kind of sparse with those. There's two in the kitchen, uh, two doubles, so that's four. There's one here, which is the office space. So that'll be like computer printer. And there's a couple scattered about for charging phones or laptops or whatnot. Um, and then the other system is the direct uh, DC system, and that runs on 12 volt. And so all the lighting will be 12 volt. It's more efficient. Um, the fixtures, I think, are um, less expensive. Um, and um, 
I, I like the the um, the intensity of the light is is such that you can kind of buy uh, what you want as far as brightness, and you don't have to have dimmer switches. That makes sense. So um, yeah, the, the vision with that is just to have, um, and they're not in yet. There's if you've noticed, there's a gap between where the ceiling boards end and where the wall boards are. Same up in the front. There's going to be. Well, I can might be easier to show you. I'm not sure. I don't have the right to mention lumber in here, but <laughs> I'm going to build, there's a trim accent. I have, I bought a bunch of uh, cherry hardwood that came out of an estate sale this summer, last summer, and I'm going to build, it'll be kind of this shape, but um, one by material. So anyway, it'll look kind of like this, and then it'll have a third lip here. So it'll kind of, it'll kind of go like this. And then there'll be another board here. So the lighting will be indirect. So we're, so it's uh, kind of tucked in there, kind of like the string lights. If you've seen the under cabinet lighting, that's 12 volts glow, also. Glowing kind of track lighting sort of that's thing. That's kind of the vision. There's those, and then there'll be a uh, regular track light on the side, but kind of both. Um, yeah, oh, that'll be beautiful. And then you can still plug in, um, you know, a regular lamp or something. Just so like that, you would a house with, with these type of outlets. So there's some different options for lighting. I think I'll probably um, throw a couple battery-powered ones into, maybe one over the driver's seat or um, just so you can walk in. There's those dome ones that take batteries that you can just press. Oh, yeah. And um, again, just rechargeable batteries, char recharge them on the solar power. So this bus, you can plug it in. If you pull in somewhere where there's a power source, you can plug into that. Or then you have the solar panel option. Yeah. Or, um, I'm sorry, did I ask this before? You can run off the generate. Can you generate electricity off of the engine running? Um, I will be able to. It's not And hook into that. You did say that. Okay. Yeah, so I'll be able to recharge the battery bank with the motor. That's, that system's not in yet, but that's, that's the long term. How loud is it when you turn it on? <laughs> you want to hear it? Yeah. <laughs> and one other question. Um, what's the square footage? Um, that's a good question. Is it like 10 feet wide or how wide is it? I think it? it's 8 feet wide on the outside, oh, so okay. it's probably 7.5 in here. It's very spacious. And I think from the back of the seat to the back of the bus is 30 feet. So I think it's around 240 square feet. And then, of course, by lofting some of the beds, you gain some extra. Yeah. And I left I left this a little lower just because um, you're going to be sitting out here and not standing. Yeah, right. Well, that makes sense. We'll see if it starts. It doesn't, uh, it's a diesel motor, and um, it doesn't currently have a block heater, and uh, diesels don't really like the cold weather, so ah. it really... Um, <clears throat> it really needs to be plugged in, but we'll see. That's what I don't know. If, if it doesn't is. work, then it, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Take it a second. Blow plugs. Oh. No. That's not going to like the cold. So you have to have it plugged in. Yeah, and that's, there's, there's two ways around that. Um, uh, so I carry a generator with me right now. It's just a little Honda. And so um, I took it out last fall before the weather got 
too hairy and spent uh, one night up Snowball mm. just to kind of get an idea of how it would work. And <clears throat> I just went out in the morning and uh, fired up the generator, plugged it into the bus. It ran for 10 or 15 minutes and it started right up. So I think the long-term vision is when it's that cold in Montana, I'll probably be somewhere else. <laughs> Ah, uh, <laughs> south. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see if that's really what happens, but um, I think the generator is kind of a backup, and that's that's um, one of the disadvantages of, with diesel is they don't like the cold. The advantages the advantages are they get better gas mileage than gas motors. They have more uh, torque, and um, so when you're hauling weight like this. Um, you know, the big uh, motorhome manufacturers, they make some V10s and stuff that are gas-powered, but uh, for the most part, um, the majority of them are diesel. And I think the same thing with those. And there's some other things that they make. They make a preheater that uh, plugs into the diesel tank, preheats the motor so it can start. That's what a lot of the semi-drivers use that travel, but they're about $3,000. Hmm. That could be a long-term solution, but that's not in the budget at this point. Yeah. Well, there's just a lot of things to be figured out still as you go along. Yeah. And that's kind of the fun of it. It's been an adventure. You know, I think when I started this, it was... I approached this from the perspective of a home builder. You know, I, I know that part of it, but a lot of the mechanical stuff I've had to figure out as I go... I've never owned a diesel before. Like I said, I took a couple classes this winter that were general maintenance and um, learned a bit about uh, diesel mechanics, but um, they're totally different. This is totally new for me, so. Well, um, I'll hope to catch up with you again in a couple of months. And Chris Cawley, your business again, would you tell us the name of your business and a link or something if people uh, yeah. want to find you? You know, my business is uh, Earthwalk Environmental, and um, my uh, website is set up uh, for education. I do um, outdoor education, and so the my email address is chris at earthwalkschool.org. Chris at earthwalkschool.org and thank you so much for taking the time to show me this bus and talk all about you how you put it together and where it's going and I'm really excited uh, I hope uh, to be able to see the final product when you get that far in two weeks and <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> and I just feel like with a project, projects always take so much longer than I ever think they're going to. It's so, true. Um, it's true. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up this interview? Um, I think for the listeners out there that are interested in alternative living, I think my message to them, you know, I did have a background in construction and carpentry, but I think I've met... <clears throat> Uh, I've met a lot of people that have taken on a venture like this, whether it be a tiny home on a trailer, a van conversion, a bus, with hardly any skills at all. And YouTube is a great resource. There's people around that are willing to help or contract out pieces of it. Um, anyway, if there's people that are listening that are interested in alternative 
uh, embrace that dream and move forward in whatever way they, they see it. I, I, I'm excited uh, for my part of the journey, and I would encourage everyone else out there to uh, be brave and do the same. Once you set your mind to it, you can just figure it out as you go along. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I, I agree with you, and thank you for adding that to the end of this interview. I, re I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. <laughs>